Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. So a client comes to me for career counseling, and he actually has a good job, but he wants to find a better job that's going to be a better fit, more passion for him. And so he starts getting interviewing. He looks out and gets his resume done, and I checked it out. It looked really good and everything. And then he finds this job that he really likes, and they really like him. He interviews for it. There's a number of interviews, and he gets the offer. Actually, he got the offer after, I believe, the second interview. And he comes to me in between sessions, and we're just talking about it. I asked him if he liked what the offer was, and he said, well, yeah, it's a good offer. It's close to or matching what I made before when you consider the benefits and everything. And I said, well, how about asking for 10,000 more? Because he hadn't actually accepted the position yet. I asked him when he needed to give him an answer by, and he still had a couple days, or which I think those things are bogus anyway. You can always tell the company if they really like you, that if you're going to give them an answer, and they you told them you're going to give them an answer by Friday, you could tell them on Friday that I need more time to process it, and that's your answer for the moment. But anyway, I ask him and he's really kind of afraid to ask for $10,000 more. And then I ask him if he's worth it. If he thinks he's worth it. And he says, yeah, I do. I know what I bring and it's a great fit. And I'm going to bring a lot of value to the company and said to me that he would talk to his wife about it. So he was really upfront, you know, and, but then he comes back a week later and he tells me that he asked for $10,000 more. He got it. And on top of that, he got the opportunity to make a bonus of over 20% of his salary each year. And so not only was it a $10,000 raise, it probably could end up being a $20,000, $30,000 raise just because he went ahead and asked. I was shocked that he had followed through. He really hadn't made a commitment. We just talked about it. He said he'd talked to his wife about it, but then he goes ahead and does it and gets these kind of results. So today we're going to talk about is how to follow through. It's a topic that a lot of people struggle with in different parts of their lives, and I'm going to give you four strategies for committing and following through, actually following through. Now, I struggle with this myself. I'm late to a lot of appointments. Recently, I am unfortunately late to some of my coaching client appointments. Not really late, you know, like five minutes at the most, uh, usually two or three minutes or whatever, but I don't like that, and I want to stop it. So I started to pay my admins a dollar every time I'm late for an appointment, and so far, I've paid him six bucks. But anyway, I want to be committed to that. I want to follow through on that. So welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast. If you have found this podcast helpful in the past and haven't already, subscribe so you won't miss another episode. And then pull out your phone and give me a rating and review. These mean so much. I know it can be kind of an inconvenience, but it's not really hard on Apple or Spotify. I really appreciate it. Also, tell your friends about it. If you give it a rating and review, the... Other podcast platforms pick this up and then it starts to grow organically. More people get access to it who wouldn't. And so this content can help more people. So that's my passion right there. I want to help more people. So here's two risks that I've taken recently. And the reason I share these with you is I want to challenge you to do the same. Something from today is going to be inspiring to you and it's going to lead to a risk that you can actually take. 
My 30-70 rule is that 70% of transformational change is action. 30% is insight. You're going to get insight today. Nothing is more important to your mental health than facing your fears, taking your ri- taking a risk, doing something new. And nothing is more damaging to your mental health than just playing it safe. So here's what I've done. One thing I've done is just I've been working on a letter to my parents. And it's scary to write it because then i got to think about sending it. And eventually I will send it. And it's just going to clarify some points of conflict that we've had. And I think it's going to be very helpful, but I'm afraid and I'm facing it and I'm doing it. That's a risk. So it also, I went out and I bought a new car. I can't believe it. So I've been looking for, well, it's not a new car. It's a used car, but it's, you know, has 38,000 miles on it. And I've been shopping for probably a year and a half and I went ahead and did it and I feel really great about it. But I struggled with some feelings of unworthiness, which I know I've had. Like I'm not I'm not worthy of a nice car or I, because I've always driven nicer, decent cars, but you know, I drive them to death. I mean, my, my car is almost 10 years old. It's a Honda Accord and I bought a Honda Pilot. So I'm excited about that. I'm Adam Gregg. I'm a legacy coach, speaker, podcaster, and mental health professional for almost 25 years. Started in 1998, and my life purpose is helping people find transformational clarity, the kind of clarity that's going to propel them forward to face their biggest fears, usually emotional fears, so they can live and leave their desired legacy. I talk about stuff that you can talk to your six-year-old about, and they're going to understand it as well. And I talk about things I struggle with myself. (laughs) I'm a fellow traveler. I struggle with not following through. I challenge you today to listen not only as a student, but also as a teacher. So I want you to teach or discuss one of the things that we talk about from today's episode that you learned from today's episode with someone else in the next 24 hours, and also take an action on that insight. This is the podcast that you do, not just listen to. So as I have in previous episodes, let's start with an action. I want you to, wherever you are, write down and identify something that you want to get done yet you keep procrastinating on. You don't follow through with it. Is it your taxes? Is it reaching out and having an assertive conversation with someone you love? Is it planning time into your schedule to go on a vacation? Or is it working on saving money or having more money so you're spending less or earning more or working on your career or making more friends? Or what is that thing that you want, but you're procrastinating on? You're not following through. You know, I asked clients in their first session, coaching session, you know, what do you want? Actually, even before that, I ask, before they even start, what do you want? And people know what they want. They have some kind of an idea they can articulate clearly. Nine times out of 10, they want to be in better shape. And then I'll ask them, you know, specifically, what do you mean? Well, they want to be under 200 pounds. They are a man, you know, that's 6'4", wants to be under 200 pounds. So they want to fly without fear and it's hurting their career. That rhymes. They want to start a business or they want to buy a business. They want to go on more dates and meet new People romantically, potential romantic partners. They want to heal from the loss of a marriage or heal from the loss of a parent or heal heal from the loss of a sibling. They want to start doing something different in their life, in their social life. They know something that they want to do, but do they really want to do it? That's my question because sometimes we're afraid to succeed and we're afraid of change. So we may say we want these things, yet when we really get into it, into the weeds, well, we realize that fear is holding us back and it's really getting in the way. So for today, you're going to have to figure out and gain some insight into these fears that you have that are holding you back. Because I guarantee you that there's some fear behind why you're not doing what you're doing. 
Because if you really truly know what you're, why you truly want to do something, like let's say you want to actually heal from the loss of a marriage, yet you keep going back again and again and reliving and holding on to resentments and you keep holding on rather than accepting that it happened. And do you, so basically, do you really want to let go? Do you really want to move on? That's a question I would have for somebody in that situation. So here are four strategies for you to follow to start following through. Okay. And the fourth one you're going to want to stick around for, because it's the one that's going to have the single biggest impact. I mean, they're all going to incrementally contribute to the other ones. So they're all necessary to get to that fourth strategy I'm going to share, but you'll want to hit, listen to the whole thing so you can see how they all tie together. So the first one is to become aware of your thinking, become aware of your thoughts. So, you know, people who have anxious thoughts about certain things that they're afraid of, well, I challenge them often to just identify and become aware of that voice in their head and what it actually is saying. So that's where journaling becomes very helpful and important because if you don't look at it clearly on paper, then it's gonna be fuzzy, it's gonna be ambiguous. But once it's on paper, you're gonna know, here are the things that are going through my mind. Here's what's actually holding me back. So psychology 101 basically is, if you have, and trauma impacts this greatly because we have core beliefs about ourselves and we often have, and we also have a self-concept and our self-concept can be good or bad. You know, Our core beliefs can be damaging or inspiring. And those are gonna come often from trauma in our lives. And you think you have a situation in your life, like I'm gonna look for a new job in a different industry, yet it's gonna be complimentary because it's gonna apply my skills that I have now. So they are looking at that situation and then filtering it through. If you think of a coffee filter, it takes out the grind. So they're filtering it through their self-concept and a lot of people struggle with feeling unlovable and worthy and helpless. And that's deep, re deeply rooted self-concept that they will have. Unlovable, like people are gonna reject me. They don't, they're not gonna like me. I'm helpless, means I can't solve this problem. I can't make progress in my life. And I'm, I'm worthless. So I'm not worthy of being in these situations. I'm not worthy of a, a nicer used car, you know, anything. But you filter it through and then you're gonna have some thought about that situation. And that thought can be, well, if I ask for a raise, they potentially are gonna think that I'm, greedy, and they're not going to give me the job. You know, that's the kind of stuff we can think in our minds. So if we identify it and get space from it and start to see it for what it is, we realize that it is not, it's not actually us. So continuing with the psychology 101, those thoughts lead to our emotions or they're highly connected to our emotions. So if I think they're going to reject me if I ask for a raise and you're going to be feeling insecure, you're potentially going to be feeling nervous and anxious and worried. And then you're going to act based on how you feel. And so someone who feels insecure is going to act insecure. They may hang their head and they may slouch and they may not look somebody in the eye and they may not actually talk clearly because they're nervous. And then they're going to get results based on that. So it becomes a cycle. Thinking leads to feeling, which leads to action, which leads to results in our lives. Yet we all filter them through our core beliefs and through our self-concept. So if, for example, well, I'll give you I'll give you a real example, illustration. So I have a friend, a really good friend, who's a very skilled professional at what he does. He's been doing it for over 20 years. He's excellent. I know because I've seen him look for jobs in the past and they always want him. I mean, he's somebody that does very well professionally and is very good at what he does. So he's a he's in the physical therapy profession. And so we're we're good friends and we're just talking about life and situations and everything. And you know, he shares some things with me like, man, I don't know if I have the experience. 
level in my job, or I'm second guessing myself in this situation with my job, or, you know, the worst case scenario kind of thoughts that come in, or I'm not really that good at it. People just say I am. And it depends on how much sleep we get, and depends on our nutrition, and depends on our water intake and exercise and the time with our friends. All those things impact the way we view situations. So after I don't get a good night's sleep, I mean, I'm very different, especially after two nights where I've struggled with sleeping, I can really struggle. So he was just talking to me openly about these things. And then I challenged him to just write it down whenever he has those situations. So for just 15 minutes, try to write down everything you're thinking at that moment and look at it. It can be extremely helpful. And there are things and reasons why we procrastinate. That's my point here, is that like, it's not just out of the blue that we start feeling anxious and uncomfortable in our bodies because of these situations that we're not wanting to follow through on. There's thinking behind it. And we can actually tell when it's happening in our bodies because we can actually feel, if we become attuned with our bodies, we can feel our heart rate increase. We can just feel yucky, you know? We can just feel blah. And those are all things emotionally and physically that can give us insight into what's going on in our head. Some power questions to help you with this, becoming aware of your thinking. So one is that, that you can ask yourself, you know, if I don't change and I stay on the same course, where will my life be in five years? It's a great thing to journal about. Another question is, well, what will your life be like in 90 days, in just 90 days, if I do make these changes and move towards my goals? So I do follow through and move towards my goals. And so there's a link in the show notes here to an illustration that I just described to you. That's that psychology 101 illustration with the self-concept and the thinking, feeling, actions, behaviors, results, all that. So I want you to check that out. It's one of the things that's a resource from this podcast for you today. So the second strategy, and this is super important, yet often just like recognizing that you have this voice in your head and it's saying all these things, it's hard. It's learning to relax. And so when you notice that you're in an anxious state and you're doubting yourself and you're insecure and you know you want to do something, but you keep talking yourself out of it, keep second guessing yourself, if you learn to relax, you're going to get some space from that voice as well. So people say they want peace of mind. I don't really think they want peace of mind. I think they want peace from their mind, peace from that thing, that voice that's always talking. So finding ways to learn to relax. And a lot of it is preventative. So you're doing self-care actions in advance, but in the moment when you know you're anxious, and you know you're wanting to just be afraid and procrastinate, which is amazing. I can do all these productive things when I'm not going to face something that I'm scared of doing that I know is the most important thing I'm going to do in my life. I'm going to do all kinds of other good productive things at times just to avoid doing that thing. So it's crazy how that happens. But we can do things to help us relax. And one of the most important things that you can ever do to learn how to relax is to become aware of your breathing, to actually physically slow down enough to become aware of your breathing. And... To do this, it doesn't take more than one or two minutes, but if you have the Breath app on your iPhone, or if you have an Android, I guess they probably, I'm sure they have something on there too that's great as well. And you do, and I, what I like to do is I like to do a four second in breath and a six second out breath. I want my out breath, your, that's a really important thing here is your out breath is longer. And this is very science research evidence based. When you're relaxed, you do start naturally to breathe with a longer out breath than your in breath. So you're practicing this and you only need a couple minutes, but you can just start doing it right now. Just try taking a four second in breath and a six second out breath. It's not gonna feel natural. Some of you, when you sleep, you may be doing this naturally, maybe not, but when you're super relaxed, you're gonna start slowing your breathing down and your heart rate's gonna slow down and 
Stress hormones like cortisol is gonna decrease, so you find different ways to relax. And other things you can do to relax are, for me, it is journaling. And it's crucial for me to journal if I'm gonna have a good day. And in these moments where I'm really struggling, it's crucial for me to journal for just two, three, four minutes, my thoughts at the moment, so I can get out of my head. It's crucial for me as well to do things where I'm focusing on the good stuff in my life, and that helps me to relax as well. So looking at pictures on my phone, which is kind of fun and sending them to friends or thinking about those things that I'm grateful for in my life and identifying them and putting my focus on that, closing my eyes. And as I mentioned before, just you can have a grateful energy or a grateful flow, which I've heard described in the book Tools by Phil Stutz. It is something that's gonna get you out of your head, but you're gonna find ways to relax. And again, it's not gonna take that long. So a power question that you can just think of is, is how would I be, who would I be if I was 10 times more relaxed in these triggering situations? So you think about one of these situations that you're not following through on, and then how would I act, what would I do, how would I interact if I was 10 times more relaxed? So I'm not letting go of the grieving process in my divorce, or I'm not letting go of losing my dad, or I'm not letting go of losing that job, yet I wanna follow through and start making progress, and I wanna be at a different place, or I wanna be at 200 pounds, yet I keep going home and eating snacks and drinking beer and all this. But who would, I, who would you be if you were 10 times more relaxed? Because you would make different types of decisions. You would not be following the guidance of your fears and worries and anxiety and people-pleasing. You'd be actually doing something from a place of peace and serenity, and it would come from within. It would be a different type of decision if you were relaxed. So got three more, two more things for you here that you're not going to want to miss. So hit the link to Shatterproof Yourself. This is seven steps to better mental health. You're not going to want to miss this. It's a 40-minute video and workbook that goes along with it, 45-minute video and workbook that goes along with tips and tools that come from my 25, almost 25 years experience. And in each section, there's a power action that you're not really gonna get anywhere else unless you subscribe through this link. So you don't wanna miss that, Shatterproof Yourself, Seven Simple Steps to Better Mental Health. So number three, number three is to take small steps. A lot of the avoiding that goes on is because we have these lofty goals that are so big that we want to achieve, yet we're not breaking them down into smaller steps. You know, for example, it can be a lofty goal to say, hey, I want to grieve the loss of my marriage, okay? So, and it's not gonna be an easy process, but what are some of the steps that I could take to break that down? And I like to break, well, it could be just meeting new people. It could be just talking to your friends about it, finally. It could be that you actually go on a date, hopefully not, too quickly, because I wouldn't suggest you get married right away after a divorce, but I would suggest that you do things to heal. It could be going to a support group, but you're going to break it down into smaller steps. So I think, and I believe, I truly believe that 15 minute increments are a great way to block out activities that you're avoiding. And you could expand to 30 minutes if you wanted to, but it's going to be something that's smaller because we can grasp that. Okay, can I make progress in 15 minutes with my health? Absolutely, you can. You can do 15 minutes of running, and that can actually be very significant. You can do 15 minutes of cooking. You can do 15 minutes of just learning how to cook a new recipe. You could do 15 minutes of talking to a friend. You could do 15 minutes of walking, 15 minutes of playing a game with your kids. But you break it down. 
into something smaller so that it's more manageable and not overwhelming. And that helps you to focus on the process, not the destination, because smaller steps show you that you are training, not trying. You're training for something that's much bigger, yet that outcome is not nearly as important as having and finding joy in the journey. And those little small increments that you get crossed off your list are successes on the way to making that big picture progress, which everybody that I've ever met that's been a tremendous success has had some kind of let's do the training and I know it's not going to be overnight. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take discipline, but I'm I'm willing to because my purpose in life is only going to be lived out if I get to that, if I take these steps, if I train, because I'm only going to have the impact I want to have if I do these things that are hard, that are going to get me to the place where I want to be. So, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, there's a saying one day at a time. It's just, you don't have to worry about not drinking for a whole year. You just take one day at a time and one day is a success. It could be one hour at a time if you're in recovery. It could be one minute at a time, but you're breaking it down into something smaller. And that's gonna help you to see that you can get there over time because you got one day of success. And then if you relapse and you got, start again, you got one day of success. And relapse is often part of the healing process, not just some destructive thing that happens that leads you down the spiral of no return. It doesn't have to be at least. So what, if you break it down what's going to happen in your life. You know, I had a woman client that she wanted to change jobs and very successful, very qualified. And she would come back every two weeks because most of my clients meet with me every two weeks and she would not have followed through. She didn't follow through with what she was going to do. And then she'd beat herself up, you know, like, I know, I mean, like something's wrong with me or there is no excuse. You know, you're going to fire me as a client and that kind of stuff. And I would tell her and ask her, you know, I'd say, well, what is it that would motivate you here? And what's in the way? What's getting in the way? What kind of thinking is behind this? And then she'd start to think about the situation and everything. And it turns out that there was a, mu- a number of things. I mean, feeling unworthy to have a better job, despite just being highly qualified and being someone I'd hire and someone that most of you listeners would probably hire as well, still had that negative self-talk going on. But then we broke it down and it ended up that we created a list of 20 contacts for her. She created the list of 20 contacts. And then we looked at it over a two month period, 60 days, and she would make 20 contacts over 60 days. So you can break that down any way you want, but it could be one contact every three days. It could be you know, five contacts over the next week. And then once we broke it down to those smaller manageable steps, she comes back and then she shares with me how she made five contacts and actually went and met with four of them and had really good conversations. And then those led to other relationships and interactions. And so she was just on fire because she had broken it down. She was able to actually step into that fear and face it and move forward. So the fourth thing, and this is the most important one here. Okay. So, and this is not going to surprise you, but it is that you need to expose yourself to that fear. You need to expose yourself to that fear that's actually holding you back and keeping you from doing the things you know you want to do. And by exposure, I don't mean that if someone's divorced, that they go and look at family pictures when they're married all the time, you know, every night and ruminate and think about it and grieve that way. I mean, that could be part of the process, but it'd be a minor part of the process. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about doing the things where you're actually facing it. So it means the stuff that's pulling you away from focusing on your divorce all the time and into the fact that you can have an impact on this world despite 
your setbacks and things you consider failures. And you start accepting it. You start accepting and healing because you're facing it. And so it's really something that confuses a lot of people because a lot of times facing a fear means not actually facing that specific thing that's causing the fear. I mean, it's facing these other things because behind that healing with divorce is this fear of change. I'm, I'm afraid of the change that's gonna happen when I have to meet new people and make new friends and even maybe have another spouse in the process. And what's that gonna look like? And how's this all gonna play out with our finances and our kids and all these? So people that have anxiety, they can go through all that stuff. But you can start small with facing a fear. In fact, I, I recommend you start small. You know, I had a client that was bit by a black recluse and his legs swelled up, ended up in the hospital. And from his description, he, you know, was kind of a life-threatening situation. I remember also having a client in my office once that was saw a spider on my wall, which no, my office is not dirty with spiders everywhere, but there was a spider. You can have spiders in clean offices. And that reminded her of a story when she was bit by a black recluse. I think that's how it went. Or I killed a spider or something in the office or whatever, or found one or something, but it reminded her. And then she said her legs swelled up. And I asked both of these clients, you know, about their fear of spiders. And one, the man, he had a tremendous fear still. The woman, she did not. Actually, although she had to have like it drained and it was kind of an ordeal and everything, she still has no real fear of spiders. So she wasn't afraid in that situation. And the reason for the two different types of things is one person has faced their fear and the other person has not. And they faced it by, for her, in her situation, she realized like that was an outlier event. It's probably not gonna happen again. And you know what? Most spiders bites are gonna be, you're gonna be just fine. So the way that I, as a mental health professional, have always found the most helpful for people that have phobias or big fears is to incrementally find a way to expose themselves to that thing that they're afraid of. So for example, if somebody is looking for a new job and they have identified that they have some fear of interviewing and they've identified that they have some fear of rejection, or that's probably what the fear is behind interviewing and they don't feel qualified and they don't feel like they're gonna get a job as good as the one that they currently have, yet they're not happy there and they feel trapped and all this. So we're gonna incrementally create a process that they can figure out on their own that's gonna help them to step into that thing that they're afraid of. So for that situation, it could be that they decide that I'm gonna just look at common interviewing questions, the most popular interview questions, and then I'm gonna write down and journal my own answers to those things. And then I'm gonna, the next step would be, I'm gonna actually have and ask a friend to ask me these interview questions. And I'm gonna answer them in a two minute time period, which I think is a good period of time to answer a question for an interview. And I'm gonna practice that way. And the next step is gonna be to go and actually maybe interview for a position a volunteer position somewhere, you know, where you're not really, don't have these huge consequences if you don't get the volunteer position, but you're practicing as well. And it could even be just researching jobs that gets people scared, but you're creating an incremental step, a plan, because ambiguity always causes, ambiguity causes anxiety. A plan starts to relieve anxiety. So just looking at that plan, I can see the relief on my clients' faces. And they're much less likely to not do those things that they want to do because they've created a plan of incrementally facing it. So I'll give you another example. This is somebody with a fear of heights. So a real situation. They decided to do research on buildings and to look at, that was step one. 
to research on deaths from falling out of buildings, that kind of thing. Then they decided to watch videos of tall buildings. Then they decided to go to the second floor and look out the window. And I've done some of these things with my clients. It's a lot of fun, actually. Then they decided to ride up and down the escalator up to the sixth floor of a building and then actually look out the window of the sixth floor. It wasn't just going from like, I have a fear of heights and so now you're gonna go skydiving. I'm gonna like put you in a headlock and drag you on the plane. I mean, that's not gonna work. I tried that with my dad, it didn't go so well. Listen to a, a past episode and you can hear about that one, but you can do it if you incrementally plan. You start to gather evidence that that fear in your mind and that thing that you're focusing on that's keeping you stuck and not following through is actually not true because you've started to incrementally take steps in the direction of that fear. And now the person who wants to lose 50 pounds, so he weighs under 200 pounds, you know, he's broken it down into 15 minute increments or half an hour increments. He's addressed and made a list of the things that are fears that he has about losing that weight. And it could be that people notice me now and they make comments and that makes me insecure. And then he starts to create a plan. So the plan can be partially an exercise plan and diet plan. And that may be a fear as well. And it could be just a fear to go and look at clothes that are at a slimmer weight when he weighed 200 pounds. And that could be part of the incrementally facing these things that he is avoiding or has avoided. So good power question there for you is if you are not following through, what are five, actually I like seven, what are seven incremental steps that you can take to face that fear? So you're having, you have a fear of being assertive with people in your family. So you can start by number one would be that you practice being assertive in the mirror. No, number two would be that you're assertive with your dog. I don't know, but you decide, you journal about what you're assertive, what you wanna say, you write a letter, then eventually you have the conversation. So that's what I got for you right there. So if, again, if you found this podcast helpful, hit the link, Shatterproof Yourself, Seven Simple Steps to Better Mental Health. You do not wanna miss that. I wanna go ahead and review and think about what you're gonna teach and apply to your life. So number one, to follow through. Four strategies for following through. Become aware. Just become aware of that voice in your head. It's not you. It's not you. It's fickle. It cherry picks. It doesn't tell you the truth. Number two, learn to relax. Find things you can do to relax. Five-minute things, five-minute activities. Breathing is a helpful one. Gratitude is another. Journaling is another taking a walk, getting fresh air. Number three, take small incremental steps. Every 15 minutes counts. And number four, expose yourself to that fear. Create a plan to incrementally expose yourself to that fear behind the thing you're avoiding, and then you'll start facing it. So what are you gonna apply today? What resonates with you most? In the next 24 hours, talk about that concept and teach that tool to somebody else. Just discuss it. You don't have to say I'm teaching you something. Just discuss it. Take an emotional risk based on something you learned today. Remember my rule, Adam's rule. 30% of transformational change is insight. You're gaining insight by what we're discussing today. 70% is action. What action are you gonna take based on today? Have me out to speak to your team, live or over Zoom. I'd love to get out there. Love to get out and talk to your team. You can find a link in the show notes to my training topics as well. But I do generally just kind of cater that and make it, tailor it to fit the needs of that leadership team or the whole corporation. I'm going to sign off the way I always do. Make it your mission to live the life now that you want to be remembered for 10 years after you're gone. You decide your legacy. No one else. I appreciate you greatly. 
and I'll see you next time. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.